Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from, you know, justthenews.com, right? We've had a lot of coverage on Afghanistan today because it is such a massive foreign policy failure. But today, we're going to take a pause and look back at how the failures in Afghanistan actually fit into a larger paradigm of America taking its eye off the ball, potentially being vulnerable to new waves of terror attacks. Everyone I'm talking to inside the law enforcement system, FBI, CIA, counterintelligence, ODNI, are very worried that we are in a very negative posture when it comes to vulnerabilities to new terrorist attacks. And there are a lot of reasons for them, right? Open border, the release of all those horrific high skilled, high-value terrorist prisoners that were freed from Bagram Air Base. More conflict between our agencies and less cooperation. Americans just being more numb to terrorism and less attentive to it. All of the elements add up to a screaming red screen for some of our best intelligence analysts that we are vulnerable. We've heard from senators who said that General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told them a week ago Sunday that Afghanistan will be a breeding ground for terrorist attacks capable of reaching Americans within two years, less than two years. We fought the war to prevent that from happening. There are so many dots on the paradigm right now that should leave us worried, and too much of the country is focused on other issues. So today... I want to step back and introduce you to someone who, after 9-11, played an instrumental role at the Homeland Security Department, at Interpol, at the Treasury Department, at the CIA, to tighten up and gain hold of the financing system, the terrorists, all those who have threatened America in the aftermath of 9-11. His name is Eric Karen. He's got a best-selling book that you ought to read if you have never read it. It is a great read and really reminds us all of our obligations to not take our eye off the ball. It's just easy to do so. We get complacent. We get other things in our lives. So Eric's going to come in. He's going to talk about not what did we learn, but what sort of posture we are in here on September 2nd, 2021, just nine days from the 20th anniversary of the worst terrorist attacks ever on American soil. An important day, a day to reflect, a day to lesson, a day to learn. It's not too late 
to batten down the hatches. I think a guy like Eric Heron, his voice carries a lot of weight in this community, in this world. I want you to hear from him directly so you know what the pros are worried about in America about terrorism threats as we head into the 20th anniversary. We're going to go do a quick commercial break when we come back. Eric Karen, former special agent for the Department of Homeland Security, an award winner, somebody who made a big impact fighting terrorism all across the country. He's got a lot of profound things to say, a lot of news to bring. Wait till you hear from uh, We'll be right back after this commercial message from our great advertisers and sponsors. Be sure to support them, please. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. I want to talk about terrorism, the anniversary of 9-11. We cannot take our eye off the ball. All the other things going on, we are still a very vulnerable nation, and maybe more so in the last six months than we've seen in a very long time. And somebody who's been on the front line of the war of terrorism for a very long time is Eric Heron, former special agent for the Homeland Security Department. He's worked with Interpol. He was given one of the highest awards the Justice Department gives to government terrorism fighters. And he really sees the whole picture, and he has for a long time. So join me in welcoming Eric. Eric, great to have you on the show. Hey, John, what an honor and a privilege to be on with you, sir. Thank you for having me. And that goes both ways. Uh, I'm a big fan of your book, Switched On. Anyone who has not read it, grab this book. If you want to find out what life is like on the front lines of being a special agent in government and trying to keep this country safe, Eric has captured it in a really great piece of literature, too. So please check up on that. Eric, we're in this incredible moment. We just ended the war in Afghanistan, kind of awkwardly, I'd say. How vulnerable are we going into the 20th anniversary of the attacks on 9-11? Yeah, very, 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 very vulnerable, John. I mean, you know, can we just look back for a second, John? I mean, 20 years, 20 years ago, we did the right thing. We went into Afghanistan and we took care of the Al Qaeda, the Taliban. We, we, and we brought hope, a seed of hope to the people of Afghanistan. Um, They want what you want. And I want that our freedoms and freedom um, is what the Afghan people want. And we brought that seed of hope to them. And, and unfortunately, our military at the time, as, as you know, and our CIA did a, a great job uh, taking care of the Al-Qaeda and, and, and the Taliban that were, that were responsible for 9-11. And unfortunately, two seeds, if I can say, two seeds, I mean, two weeds took that seed over and killed it. And that was the seed of of corruption, dirty money that, you know, if you will, that the CIA was giving Afghan corrupt officials. And the other weed that took over that seed and killed it was poor leadership by our, by our federal government, our White House, our DOD, our CIA, and others. I mean, essentially, John, if I can say, we partnered with an international crime syndicate masquerading as a government engaged in 
pervasive corruption. It was a fool's errand, and I would say criminal. And are we safer today than we were before 9-11? Absolutely not. Our borders are wide open, and all we talk about right now is the southern border. No one's paying attention to our northern border. Yeah. And bad guys, as you know and I know, bad guys will go where it's soft. Yep. And we're not paying attention to our container ships that are coming into America, something that I did while I was the attache in Dubai, the Container Security Initiative Program, right. making sure containers that are coming into America are safe. From they don't WMD have WMDs, agents. right? Yeah. Exactly. So we have to understand their ports of entry, land ports, airports, seaports, they all need to be secure. We're more vulnerable today than we are ever under this administration, sadly. It's, it's almost un, unthinkable uh, to think that we put all that blood, sweat, and tears and billions of dollars into making our country safer, and we literally ran in place and now have gone backwards. Yeah, and all that money, John, and all that money, that a lot of that money that we gave, the U.S. government, the U.S. taxpayers gave trillions of dollars to help the Afghan government people, a lot of it, billions with a B, went from Afghanistan right back into Dubai, the economy of Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. I saw it, I knew it, and other people within the government saw it and knew it. And we failed to get the cooperation of the UAE authorities. Billions with a B, billions of dollars, went into Dubai and helped their economy. And we could not get the UAE authorities to help us. Banks, as you know, at least one bank in Afghanistan collapsed. Kabul Bank collapsed. And the executives from that bank brought all their money, billions, again, into Dubai. Unreal. So shame on the U.S. government for not getting the UAE authorities to help us stem the flow of dirty money. We, I, I tried at my level, but we needed really the leadership set of a, at the highest points of our government. The White House, if you will, the State Department, all needed to understand. We needed to fight corruption and the flow of dirty money from Afghanistan into Dubai and other parts of the world, but mostly Dubai, if we were going to win this war. We failed to recognize that corruption did us in, if you will. Unbelievable. It really is. And uh, and something that would have been so obvious because Afghanistan and these countries that we were relying on, they have centuries of corruption built into their DNA, right? I mean, you know it's a yeah. risk when you go in and it makes you wonder, how did we get there? Yeah. And I and I would say, John, if I can just say this, sure. is that I, you know, as a former you know agent and we ran sources uh, and like you, sources and, and, and paid, had paid informants paid sources hundreds if, from the last 25 years, and I managed sources and paid informants. You can't, I, we, you understand, I understand, professionals understand, you can't send a swan into the sewer to get a rat. You got to send <laughs> another rat. That's true. Into the yeah. sewer to get, an, to get that bad rat. But that rat has to be on a short leash. And that rat has to understand the rules of engagement. And as soon as he or she goes off script and does something criminal, like maybe kill someone, then you cut ties. But just like the FBI had to find out, you can't, like with Whitey Bolger, you can't encourage, you cannot turn a blind eye to bad 
people, you know, who are your informants who commit crimes while they're supposedly working for you. And that's what we did in Afghanistan. We had Kaizai, we had other officials close to him on our payroll who we knew were very, very bad, and we continued to deal with them. That should never have happened. That's a huge lesson learned, in my opinion. It's hard to see our government learning many lessons right now either. They seem to have their head dug in the stand. Let me ask you this. Um, given the way we exit, given the fact that thousands of the highest value terrorist prisoners were freed from the Bagram Air Base, what mm-hmm. is our security posture two days or three days after exiting Afghanistan? How, how bad is it? It's, it's very, very bad. Okay. Let me just say, we globalization, we all love it we, and for the most part, you know, because in America, you can get a pair of nice jeans for 25 bucks, maybe yep. designer jeans, and we can get on a plane and we can end up in Paris in four or five hours from New York. That's great. Globalization. Guess who else loves globalization? The bad guys. The bad guys love it, and especially the Taliban now, because they control not just a province, but they control the entire country there's three things the bad guys will exploit the taliban will exploit i call it the three t's i coined it as the three t's trade right travel and telecommunication mm. and real quickly trade the heroin production will go through the roof the heroin production will go through the, the roof and they will trade in heroin they will trade in weapons worldwide they will trade in human trafficking worldwide, all to fuel their criminal enterprise, their terror enterprise. And so trade, travel, they have the ability to travel the world now. They have no border controls, very little. They have the ability to counterfeit passports. They have the ability to you know, create identifications, if you will, right? So travel, no problem. They love it. Telecommunication, great. The internet, banking. So they will, they, the criminals and the the Taliban, you know, they're a criminal organized international terror group, will exploit trade, travel, and telecommunication all day long. And they will come to America. They have agents here in America. As I speak, that shouldn't be a breaking news story, but they do have agents of the Taliban. Al Qaeda's here. Hamas is here. Hezbollah is here. We better wake up as a society because um, time is ticking and uh, we're on the brink of another 20, you know, 9-11 anniversary. And you know, and I know they love to celebrate anniversaries. They do. And this is a great anniversary for them to celebrate in light of what's happened in Afghanistan. Big anniversary date coming up. We better hold on to our hats and, and get ready because it is war. We're on the brink of a World War III in the Middle East with Iran, Pakistan, Russia, and China, all sitting at the table now with the Taliban. It's the perfect storm of our, our enemies and frenemies, isn't it? It's just amazing. We, we, we talk about Al-Qaeda because they obviously wreaked enormous havoc on our country. Uh, we know about Hamas and the rockets and what they do in, in Israel, but isn't the granddaddy the super daddy of all terrorists, Iran, and are they the biggest potential threat we face in the next year? I would say yes, Absolutely. Iran poses, in my opinion, based on my years experience as as an agent working domestically as well as internationally, 
Iran poses the, the most serious threat, not only to America, but to the globe. You know, we, we in America have short-term, you know, memory. We do. Of what Iran has done these last 30, 40 years to us. I mean, they're res- directly responsible for the murder of, of hundreds of U.S. servicemen and diplomats around the world. I mean, we forget that in, in 1983, 241 U.S. servicemen were killed in, Be- in the Be- Beirut Bar- barracks bombing, 1983. 241. Now, Iran had direct ties to that attack. We forget in 84, 1984, William Buckley, the CIA station chief, sure. was kidnapped yep. and killed. And Iran ended up with the body, the Iranian government, 1984. Yeah. How does that happen? They have, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we know two things. We know Iran has agents, including here in America, uh, all over the world. We know Iran is in, involved in Yemen, Syria, throughout the Middle East. They have a million-man army. Um, they are constantly looking to acquire uh, WMD equipment. I know because I, I prevented them from getting some of that WMD yep. equipment myself and other agents of the U.S. government. Um, they're constantly looking to build a nuclear uh, weapon, um, and they vowed in the destruction. I mean, they're not, they're not uh, shy about saying what they want to do to us. They're, they're telling us we're just, we're just sitting back playing defense, if you will, um, but they're, they're telling us we're coming after you. We're coming after you. We're coming after Israel. And we just sit back and, I don't know, we, we just listen to it and we take it and we let them uh, attack our, our, our Navy officials in the Persian Gulf. Uh, uh, under Barack Obama, we saw what happened in, in, in the Arab, uh, in the, in, 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 per, in the uh, Persian Gulf. Right. As far as attacking our Navy, they're constantly attacking oil refineries in Saudi and other facilities throughout the Middle East. Iran poses the most serious threat to global security, not only U.S. security, but global security. They want a nuclear weapon. They've been working extremely hard on developing the nuclear weapon. Uh, there's, no, there's no question about that. The Biden administration thinks that they're going to try to negotiate with Iran, it's the same thing, you know, as far as trying to negotiate with the Taliban. I mean, you can't. You cannot sit at the table with terrorists and think you're going to – they're a terrorist state just like uh, – Iran is a terrorist state just like Afghanistan these days. Yeah. So to sit down at the table and think – and look across the table and shake hands and think you're going to get anything done and listen, it's all rhetoric. It's all, you know, it's all lies. It's terrible that we can't get the, the truth out of this. Um, the resource exploitation of Afghanistan. There are all these rare earth metals that Afghan has sitting under the under its ground, probably the largest untapped reserve of lithium. Does China go in and get those now that we've uh, abdicated our role in Afghanistan? Absolutely. China, Iran, Russia, they're all in there right now as we speak. You know, China has just signed a massive 25-year deal with Iran yep. and Russia too. Russia, China, Iran just did a military exercise in Iran about two weeks ago. And that's why it's not hyperbole that I, I say we're potentially on the brink of a World War III. Nobody wants a war, but I, you know, I, as an analyst, if you will, 
you can very easily see how that may happen in the years to come. Sure. So to answer your questions, yes, China and other nations will exploit all the minerals, gold they can out of Afghanistan, oil as well. And again, the Taliban will use the proceeds for their own criminal and terror activities. They have an endless supply now of money. I mean, we thought we had the, we somewhat had the heroin production under control, if you will, in Afghanistan while we were there. And we're able to keep an eye on things and conduct operations with the Afghan government and police, military. Now, forget it. It's wide yep, open. It we're is. talking hundreds of billions of billions of dollars of heroin production every year. It is an industry waiting to be exploited for bad acts. It's just unbelievable. Um, yeah. We got just a couple minutes left. And I wanted to ask if you had to identify the biggest vulnerabilities that we've kind of taken our eye off. It's pretty clear after 9-11, because guys like you jumped into the void, right, that we tightened yep. up a lot of things. And we were top of WMD. We were top of people sneaking across the border. There wouldn't be a Muhammad Atta, right, you know, on 2005 getting across the border because we had all of those resources. It seems like we've gotten slow and, and forgotten our vulnerabilities. Yep. And we're, we're focused on things that don't seem to have anything to do with terrorism. What are the biggest exploitable areas that America doesn't and the U.S. government doesn't have their eye in right now? John, I would have to say, you know, yes, our, our borders. Our borders are wide open. Our, and we have to understand that it's not, you know, just the southern border. You know, we hear southern border, southern border, southern border. No, it's all our ports of entry. Yep. All our land borders, our seaports, our airports are vulnerable. You have to understand that I know, um, and I was recently told this, that the Biden administration, anybody who's, you know, tough on immigration, tough on enforcement, some of these people, agents I know, are being transferred out of their senior leadership positions and basically put out to pasture because they're not in step in line, you know, in, in line with the open borders, right? open border. Yeah. Yes, sir. Open border philosophy. Yep. And. You know, agents are enforcers, and that's what we get paid for, you know, enforcing the law that yep. Congress has developed, made. And, you know, nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. And when we have open borders, you know, like Barack Obama had, when you allow murderers and others free into your country to only murder more, nobody wants to see that happen. And so there are good people within DHS, and I'm sure the Bureau and other agencies will ha have been put out to pasture because they want to make sure that we're safe. Uh, and right now, we're not. We are certainly not safe. Our borders are wide open. Catch and release is back. Yep. We know it's been written about. Joe Biden has basically dusted off the Barack Obama plan, and, and this is Barack Obama 2.0, John, uh, wow. as far as catch and release. And you know, and I know that there are many good Americans who are been who who get murdered, murdered, killed by somebody that shouldn't be in your country, and then somebody that that person that should not be in your country is in custody, in custody, and we let them go. We the state or local level, we let them go, or the federal level now, we let them go only to murder your mom, your father, your brother, your sister. Are you kidding me? That's unbelievable. But that's what's happening in America. 
We have gangbangers who are let loose to only harm your sons and your daughters and your high schools and your colleges and your schools. We have to understand border security equals national security. It's like peanut butter and jelly, John. We have to understand that. We have to understand border security is national security. Peanut butter and jelly goes together, full stop, period. And the rhetoric from the White House is shameful when it comes to border security because innocent people will die, have died. You really believe that the rhetoric actually is jeopardizing national security, right? It's lulling people into a false... Well, Eric, I could talk for hours with you. You have such an amazing background. You've done such great work. And we're going to get you back on the show. But your sobering thoughts about where we are on the eve of the 20th anniversary of 9-11 should make all of us think a lot harder tonight. Really appreciate your time today. Hey, John, it's a privilege and an honor. And uh, my website is Switched On Life. Switched On Life. Yes. People can go to the Switched On Life and, and, you know, quite really look at the Karen Chronicles, the articles I've written. I'm passionate about what I talk about, my thoughts on our security, because I hate to see, it pains me to see good people get killed. Yeah, there's no reason for it. We're too good a country to let this uh, soft side of a show again. Well, sir, you are amazing. Your book's amazing. I know people can get a copy of the book at that site, so go check it out, and uh, we're going to be sure to have you back on. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Look forward to it, and stay switched on. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Take care. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back... An extra bonus before we head into the night. My good friend, Garrett Bass, vice president at Hoffa, right after this commercial break. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. All right, folks, welcome back. It's time to wrap things up. Buckle your seatbelt up. Take a break. Take note of what Eric Karen just told us. I'm still processing all of the warning signs that he put on our radar today. And let's just hope that we can create pressure and knowledge and movement so that our government is on top of these things and not asleep at the switch like we were the morning of 9-11. Before you go, I want to ask you, if you have time tonight... Tune in. I'm doing a TV special. I know it's not my normal medium. I like to write. I love this podcast. TV is a kind of a new thing for me. I you know, go on Sean Hannity and, and some of the shows there. But here tonight, a one-hour special about a very important topic in America, one that gets overshadowed a little bit by Afghanistan, by the open border, by COVID-19, understandably. But in school boards across America, in school districts, at the local level, parents are engaged in an epic fight with school administrators, teachers, and teachers unions who want to teach their children a curricula that preaches that America is still inherently racist, that whites will always be oppressors, and that children and adults of color will always be oppressed. There are many, many people, many, many people who don't agree 
with that curricula, don't agree with that philosophy, don't want it to be taught to their children. Their argument is teach my children how to think, don't teach my children what to think. Inform them, don't indoctrinate them. Kind of a little bit like what we try to do at justthenews.com. We want to give you information, but not indoctrination. Tonight, we've got some amazing guests. Congressman Bishop from North Carolina is joining us. He's leading the fight in Congress to ban critical race theory in military, military schools, and all throughout the U.S. government and U.S. government funding. We've got Dr. Ben Carson, the former Secretary of HUD, the former 2016 presidential candidate, the world-renowned pediatric neurosurgeon. He'll be on. We have parents who have given their extraordinary efforts to fighting it at different school levels. We've got one from Rhode Island with a remarkable story of how she was sued by the teachers union to block her from finding out what they were teaching her child. Unbelievable story there. We've got a dad that fled California for Indiana thinking he got away from CRT and then it shows up in an Indiana school district. He has taken matters into his own hand through the political process to make a difference. Really remarkable people. Jessica Anderson is going to be there. How can you watch this? And Jessica Anderson, of course, from Heritage Action. How can you watch it? It's going to be on Real America's Voice. It's going to be on justthenews.com. It is going to be on Parlor and our YouTube channel at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You ask, how do I get on Real America's Voice? Well, it's channel 219 on Dish Network, channel 240 on Pluto, on the Real America's Voice app. If you haven't downloaded it, download it. I go on their shows all the time. Steve Bannon is on there. Those are all the places to go. Now, we had a great conversation with one of our great friends at Heritage Action, who is our partner, our sponsor for this program tonight. And we're going to bring that up to you right now. So an extra bonus before we head into the night. Let's listen in right now. I think you'll get a lot from it from my good friend, Garrett Bess, vice president at Hoffa. Here's what we had to say. Garrett, good to have you back. Hey, John. Appreciate you having me on. We've got a great topic tonight because we're headed back to school this summer. The issue of critical race theory blew up in America from local school boards all the way up to the uh, uh, federal government. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about what Heritage Action is doing because you have created a one-stop destination site, SaveOurSchools.com, where parents who are concerned about this can get equipped, get ready for the battle, get ready to protect their child, get involved uh, in the grassroots organizing. Tell us a little bit about uh, SaveOurSchools.com and why you created it and what the reaction has been to it. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, for those who are not familiar with us, we're a grassroots organization. We have two million activists across the country that, you know, are conservatives and, and active in their communities. And we just, over the past six months or so, the issue of critical race theory, particularly in schools, but also just sort of more generally, has really heated up. And we started to notice, it got a lot of media attention, but the, the uh, Lorton County parents who sort of organized a big rally we helped sort of provide some resources and organization for that, some speakers as well, and just were really shocked at the hundreds of people that came out for this thing to rid our schools of this racist teaching that you are an oppressor or, or an oppressed person based upon the color of your skin and, and not and not your actions. And so we were brainstorming. We're trying to think, okay, well, you know, obviously this is this is ground up. These are parents and, and grandparents and in some cases, teachers themselves taking taking uh, charge of, of this issue on the ground. How can we uh, provide resources and infrastructure to support uh, these people that are fighting on the front lines? And so uh, a whole host of things that, that we were sort of putting together, and we just decided to put it all in one, in one thing, and we branded it Save Our Schools. And so uh, we went out and bought saveourschools.com and, and put everything there. And 
it's filled with uh, resources. We're still building it out, but it's filled with resources. There's a there's an ebook there to help uh, better understand the issue. There's there's some information about how to file FOIA requests and on and on and on. And 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 as things uh, continue to work in this space, we're going to be adding more and more to that SaveOurSchools.com. It's an amazing resource. I've been on there, and it literally is a full-scale toolkit. There's everything from how to file a FOIA to how to uh, engage your school board, your school uh, teachers. It is a really amazing toolkit. And uh, with people who are busy but concerned, this takes a lot of the ramp-up time out. You can get up to speed in an hour or so on the site and then be ready to take you know whatever you think is the right action for your your child in school with your teachers and your your school administrators your school board really really remarkable thing what's the reaction been like people who've engaged the site how are they beginning to put it into action yeah well we just launched it uh well technically we launched it monday of, of this week but wow. it, it was live uh, it was alive a little bit uh you know a few days earlier we gave a sneak peek to some to some people that we've been working with on the issue um but uh, so far, it's just been really great, and I, I would really encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast or sees the or sees the special uh, later tonight. Um, the the one main thing is that uh, while we are a national group, we're not here to supplant any local groups or any state groups. Anybody that you know that's working on the ground, we're here to help support and add value to to their work and and help them be even more successful. So go to that website, spread it around, spread it around. But we really want to connect with. Uh, leaders on the ground on this issue. So, um, you know, the, the feedback's been great. Uh, the ebook's been downloaded a significant number of times Isn't already. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, Four it's or five incredible. days. Yeah. Yep. Well, it tells you that people are ready to have this conversation and, and to resolve it to the best interest of their children. Now, we've got an amazing show tonight on Real America's Voice, Channel 229 and Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto. If you're on Roku, you can use the Real America Voice app. If you like Just the News, go to justthenews.com on the front page. We will have the video playing there. A lot of exciting ways to watch tonight and to engage. We've got some great guests. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, former HUD secretary, former presidential candidate, of course, one of the greatest pediatric neurosurgeons of all time. He has been outspoken about CRT. He's on tonight talking about why this philosophy entering schools is basically handicapping children, giving them a wrong perspective of how they can succeed. We, uh, we've we got Congressman Jim Banks from Indiana, who's at this moment working on legislation or amendments to authorization bills to keep CRT out of military schools and out of the military training academies and the military services. Um, we have two parents, one who fled California to Indiana, only to find critical race theory and followed them there. And another from Rhode Island uh, who has stood, have stood up to their school boards and are beginning to affect change. It is a great group of people from Washington right down to the grassroots level. Tune in. Don't miss it. Uh, we are partnered once again with our good friends at Heritage Action for America. Uh, as we as we go out on this journey, the, the next few weeks, I think the next six months are going to be the definitive moments where this issue gets resolved and it, you know from the courts and congress and and uh, the white house down to the school board garrett what are some of the things that heritage action is going to be looking for as signs of progress uh, in the fight against critical race theory well first off i mean in some areas of the country depending on the politics of that region it's going to be easier to be more successful on the legislative front other way other areas you're going to have to you know fight a lot harder to 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 do this but the one main thing that, that your listeners should take away is that uh, they are on the right side of this issue. And, and I don't just mean 
sort of morally on the right side. Um, you know, obviously, uh, the, the tenets of critical race theory are racist in and of themselves. And so, uh, we should be, we should be fighting back against it regardless of whether we're in the majority or the minority. But the overwhelming number of Americans that when they understand what CRT is and what it's trying yep. to teach, particularly their kids, outright reject it. Um, we actually did a focus group. Um, we, you know, we, it's very important uh, that when you are fighting in the political sphere, uh, that you don't alienate people that would otherwise be with you by by talking about something in the wrong way. And so, uh, we actually did some focus group testing amongst Black Americans uh, to make sure that we understood um, their perspective on the issue. And it's re- it's really interesting. I actually want to, uh, if you don't mind, John, I'd no, actually like to read one, one particular some news. quote. Let's break some news on the show. I like it. <laughs> so um, we, we were talking with this group of African-Americans, and uh, one particular quote stuck out to me. Uh, this gentleman said, uh, after, after sort of having one perspective on what he thought CRT was, and then once we sort of laid out, hey, actually, this is what CRT teaches, uh, he said this, but this is, but, and I'm quoting him, but this clearly is an indication of division, an indication of keeping this racism in America going when it should stop. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we've, we've also poll tested um, groups of Americans. And Americans, uh, when we ask the question, uh, should children be taught that their destiny and inherent value depends on their skin color? Or should American schools be teaching American children about the American dream that is available to them? Americans agreed 79 to 16 that wow. schools should be teaching That's children. a landslide. Yeah, and if you break out the black respondents, uh, they agreed with that second statement, 69 to 23. Wow. So this is not only are we fighting, uh, you know, for the right policies because they're right. Um, parents and teachers and community leaders that are engaging on this issue should not be in fear of, of being perceived that they are in the minority. When people understand what CRT is, they overwhelmingly reject it. Yeah, that's the key thing is education too, right? Because listen, at the first blush, everyone wants to be sensitive to, to the issues of racism that you know are in our history. They, they're, they're moments of stain in our history, but it isn't the definition of American. A lot of people, you know, at first think, well, listen, it's good that we we acknowledge that there have been past problems, and then they, re- but when they find out what they're really talking about is, for your child to determine what they're going to be in their generation, they should look back three. Um, uh, uh, generations to find the excuse on why they're not going to succeed if they're black or if they're white they ought to look for three generations back to find some form of shame that they should carry with them for their life and that's exactly what parents don't want their children to be burdened by they want to see the opportunity Um, I want to talk a little bit about what is that hovers over the CRT thing which is there are two ways to approach education right one is to teach children how to think and the other is to teach children what to think and it seems like the vast majority of americans that are polled on this say listen i want my child to learn how to think but don't tell them what to think uh it seems like this crt is part of a movement to go from information and education to indoctrination is that really the heart of what parents are seeing in this movement yeah i mean i think if you would talk to sort of everyday americans uh who are who are maybe not even necessarily engaged politically um, all of them want their kids to get a good quality education. They want them to get skill sets right. uh, that are necessary to work a good job and to advance themselves. They don't want to be bound by artificial uh, boundaries based upon the street that they live on or the zip code that they grew up in or anything along those lines. And so the issues around education, when you, when you 
talk about the issue themselves on the ground with with a parent. Um, parents almost have a universal set of, of views, and, and it um, the problem is that uh, because we have we have sort of uh, captured this huge group of Americans in in a system that that uh, the left now has dominated. Right. Um, you know, the left is taking that opportunity to indoctrinate into their uh, their worldviews. And I mean, you can this isn't even just on CRT. It's on a whole host of issues. But what was what's what's interesting is, um, you know, so many Americans had to become so involved uh, in their kids lives and in, and particularly in their schooling over the past year and a half or so uh, that they are now finding out what exactly their kids are being taught. And in some cases, uh, not being taught the things that they were expecting their kids to be taught. Um, and so there, there's I, I think that CRT is definitely the tip of the spear. Uh, but there is a there is a large movement building uh, in which parents are throwing off uh, sort of the uh, the uh, bonds that the teacher unions have have placed on them over the years and are and are taking control of their kids education. And we applaud that. We want parents to be in charge of their education. Uh, we don't want to tell parents what their kids should and shouldn't believe. We want to help their kids and help them uh, be responsible for advancing themselves. Yeah. Critical thinking, but not necessarily critical theory. That seems to be what a lot of people I've talked to have said. Um, Garrett, it's really remarkable what this movement was because you know we sit in Washington a lot of times, and you know we think the world shakes from Washington. But this movement against CRT was right at the grassroots level. I think it started in a couple of places like a Texas school district in Loudoun County, Virginia, outside of Washington D.C., Georgia now, and you're seeing the power of grassroots politics. We, we spend, particularly in a presidential election, a lot of time looking at top-down politics, uh, you know, the candidate, the uh, the advertising, the get out the vote. But this is a real circumstance where the core business that you guys do, grassroots, really began a movement. And, and Washington caught up to it pretty quickly. But it, this, this really started in schools. And I assume COVID-19, which brought children home for almost a year, got parents looking at what their kids were being taught and going, hey, hey, wait a second. Is that really how this grassroots movement started? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, fundamentally, we have a representative form of government. Now, not always do our elected leaders, you know, accurately represent us. But at the end of the day, Americans, when they rise up in numbers, will get a government that they agree with. And so that's what we're seeing on some of these main issues. I mean, CRT is one of them that we're talking about today. Right. But but the grassroots are rediscovering um, sort of what representative government means, and they're demanding that their elected leaders represent them. Um, I was just in Florida uh, last week, and we were talking with a group of people on a completely different issue. But um, the, the concept of, of how, you know, American government was founded on this basis that the governed give their consent to be governed to their governors. Um, and um, I think Americans are really rediscovering that, that uh, when their elected leaders um, don't represent them, uh, that they can, they, can, they can take charge of the situation and, and they, can, they can get a government that does represent them. Yeah, they can. There's no doubt about it. There's just no doubt about it. Well, I'm looking forward to the special tonight. Uh, our good friend, your boss, Jessica Anderson's there. That's exciting. She's going to give us an update of all the things going on at the state level. I'm excited about that. Of course, Ben Carson, 
really great lineup. I'm really interested and really excited to introduce these parents as well on the show tonight. Two parents who really executed a carpe diem strategy to protect their children. All that tonight on Real America's Voice and Just the News, all the places we've mentioned. Garrett, I want to thank you and Hafa for all the great partnerships we have. These are fun projects to do because we get to talk to real people and we get to educate people. And um, we're really grateful for the support and the partnership on this uh, big show tonight. Yeah, really appreciate it, John. Always a pleasure to talk with you and, and work with you. Same here. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to break some news. Stay tuned. we got a big scoop coming up in just a few seconds. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks, that wraps it up. Two great interviews. Eric Karen really learned a lot from him and the emerging threat matrix for America on terrorism. And then a great preview from Garrett Bess of what we're going to talk about tonight. Tune in. Real America's Voice, 8 p.m. Channel 240 on Pluto. Channel 219 on Dish Network. You can see it live on Just the News, on our channel on YouTube, on our channel on Rumble. All those places available. Live broadcast tonight. Really meaningful discussion about critical race theory. If you don't know what it is, you haven't heard it, you're still confused by it, haven't made up your mind, we're going to give you the facts tonight. Check us out. Until then, may God bless you. May God bless this amazing country, the United States, as he always has. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News.